Listen to AM 560 The Answer online at 560theanswer.com on the AM 560 mobile app, on your Alexa powered smart speaker, and on TuneIn, iHeart, and on Odyssey. Now, from the Signature Bank Studios. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So the June jobs report is out. Uh, Job market adding 209,000 jobs in the month of June. U.S. employers now adding jobs for 33-0 consecutive months, but that uh, was below street expectations of t- 225,000 jobs. So does that mean the market's cooling off and the Fed will cool off raising interest rates? For more on that question and other market-related matters, please to be joined by James Perry, founder, CIO of Perry International Capital Partners, LLC, Jim, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. Morning. Um, so uh, what about uh, the impact of this uh, jobs number? Um, job growth has been better than expected, yet really job growth remains fairly muted. Um, the economy, Dan, is probably slated to grow at 1% this year. That's the Fed forecast by the fourth quarter, maybe even a little recession. Uh, and at the same time, you know, inflation is running at four and a half percent and rising. So that's a stagflation environment. It's the same one we've been in for 18 months. This payroll number really doesn't change that much. So we're just going to hold. Uh, well, so then what, what before we get to sort of the macro question? So what does the Fed do this uh, uh, this month with respect to rates? Oh, they're going to hike. Um, they should have done it last month. Um, the biggest problem for the Fed and the central banks of the other Western democracies, uh, the ECB, the Bank of England, uh, Canada, Australia, um, in Europe, you know, there, there's officially a recession and the ECB is tightening. Um, and Australia, Canada, Norway, uh, countless other firms. I sent a report out on July 4th, uh, there's two or three central banks on the planet that are easing and, and their countries are going through a recession, which is, you know, basically China and Japan. Everybody else is hiking because inflation is much higher than expected and rising. Okay. So another 25 basis point hike in July. Yes, sir. Uh, uh-huh. I think that gets you to about five and a half percent upper bound. And I would suspect that by the end of the year, uh, the Fed funds rate will be closer to 6% than 5 There will be no rate cuts this year. Well, when will we be going into our recession? Not happening. I read yeah. your newsletter. It's not happening, right, Jim? Right. Uh, big parts of the economy are struggling mightily. But the biggest problem is, and Amy, to your point, there has not been a recession as many of the masters of the universe have proclaimed. And I think what they've missed really um, is uh, liquidity, right? I'm a global macro guy. And if you look at, you look at money, money supply and, uh, and stock market indices correlate quite highly. And, uh, you know, liquidity really is a function of government stimulus. And we've gotten a lot of it. I mean, you know, 
the bigger picture is the pandemic stimulus, which was, you know, from the last financial recession in 09 to sort of now, the Fed's balance sheet increased by a factor of 10, right? That's 800 billion up to 8 trillion. That's, that's incredible. And 5, five trillion of it was money that was printed to combat the pandemic slowdown. So over the last three years, the Fed's balance sheet increased by 50%. That's monetary stimulus. That's still with us. A lot of people say, well, you know, stock market's got to go down because money supply is collapsing. Uh, that's true on a short-term basis. It's come down really, really hard from being up as high as it was two years ago. But if you look at long-term trends, you know, money supply is still trending well above Average. There's a ton of liquidity in the financial system still. So you still, I mean, right. And and this is not just asset purchases by the Fed. What what some of the the masters of the universe, as you were saying, what they missed is, you know, uh, a few hundred billion here and a a couple of trillion there in the semiconductor sector for infrastructure around the country for public sector unions and the trades. Uh, as well as for you know these alternate energy companies, well you know you know you you just added a, a couple few trillion dollars more of funny money from the federal government, so that has uh, a, a sustaining impact as well. Absolutely, I mean the stock market's been rallying since October, right? And that's because of three massive liquidity infusions. Uh, the regional central bank crisis, you know that. The Fed's balance sheet went up by $600 billion, right? Um, So that started the rally back in October. And then, you know, most recently, busting through this debt ceiling legislation, you know, this increased national debt by $2.5 trillion, right? This is fiscal stimulus. This This is pandemic emergency spending, which is supposed to be rolled back, yet it's been locked in for another two years at least. Right. This is two and a half trillion dollars of fiscal stimulus by the government to spend on whatever they deem is an appropriate uh, area of the economy to invest in. So the you know, so the big guy was right. The big guy was right. We need to keep spending in order to prevent from going bankrupt. As long as you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Government now these days you talk to progressive people and they say, you know, everything's free. Money, money, debt doesn't matter. You can just write it off as long as you can pay your bills. You can just keep spending. And um, I don't know where that comes from. It's not the way I run my household. But, you know, it's it's a tremendous amount of money that's being spent by the government. And only government can create inflation. And they're creating more of it, Dan, now than they were, you know, in, in the midst of the pandemic, right? Well, and the pandemic's over. The economy's booming. So you've got trillions, not just hundreds of billions, but trillions of dollars of money in the economy that is pushing job growth higher. And this is the biggest imbalance that the Fed's worried about, right? We've heard this from Powell, you know, for months and months. There's a massive imbalance in the labor market, which is causing wages to rise, especially in the service sector. And because of that, service sector prices are continuing to go up because people have to spend money on labor to keep their businesses open. Well, why don't we, you know, the unspent COVID money, why don't they return that to the Treasury? The government's going to give back money? <laughs> Amy. <laughs> they can make news by doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that never happened and never will. Uh, the one thing that's sort of interesting that's slightly esoteric to your point is that, you know, 
when we had this debt ceiling sort of impasse, what happened was the U.S. Treasury used about $600 billion in what they call the Treasury General Account, you know, the TGA. That's a balance to pay its bills, uh, which uh, when they were forced to postpone, you know, this $850 worth of $850 billion in bond issuance. So the, the Treasury General Account is down to $30 billion. So that $600 billion, that has to be – that Treasury General Account has to be refilled, right? So that $600 billion was stimulus. And, and now it has to be refilled. So that is coming out of the market. That's over now, right? Um, and the other thing is the Fed's balance sheet is beginning to get back down to where it was before the bank crisis. So you're kind of at an interesting inflection point that, you know, the, the stimulus that we've gotten over the last 12 months and certainly the last six or nine is over. So it appears to me, if you just look at valuation metrics and recognizing that we're still in, a, in an earnings recession, even with the big magnificent seven, you know, Microsoft and Apple, these, these revenues of these big companies, I think Microsoft's revenues have gone down five quarters in a row, right? So you're, you're having an earnings recession, even with the best performing stocks, and they're selling at multiples that we haven't seen since the dot-com boom, you know? So the stock market's overvalued, but, you know, Everybody still thinks we're going to the moon here, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so the market's overvalued. It's being buoyed by a small percentage of uh, big tech and AI tech related companies. And yet yeah. it's just, it's, it's still, it's still on, on green. Yeah. I mean, it is. And again, it's, it, you know, sometimes they, they always say averages, hide more than they reveal, you know? So we get these averages on TV and it doesn't really tell us a lot. But what I think is interesting is that, you know, you look at this sort of level of private wealth in this country, um, it's $148.5 trillion, right? That's up $2.5 trillion from the first quarter of this year, right? That's $2.5 trillion. So people who have savings and have real estate and own things, pensions, IRAs, mutual funds, homes, they feel like this is a bull market, you know, and they're spending money. Um, and it's really helping the service sector of the economy. I mean, I don't know the last time you've been on a plane, but every single flight I'm on in the last two months is overbooked. I uh, hear the cruise ships are all overbooked in Miami. Every restaurant and hotel in Chicago, Washington, D.C. I was in, uh, New York. Um, you can't get a reservation. So at the high end, People who have money don't mind that prices are rising at 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 percent a year. But the people that are making, you know, the average income, you know, just a little bit of above average income, 75 grand, 100 grand a year. These households are getting hammered. Um, discretionary spending and, and disposable household income numbers, you know, they're, they're negative. Right. So. Well, people so, are diving into their. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, so so then so then how how does an overvalued market continue to uh, build on its overvaluation? I mean, doesn't there have to be some regression to the mean? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, I think as people see the liquidity draining from the larger system, um, it will come out. And the other thing that's changing, I mean, you know. And Amy, we've talked about this housing. You know, look at housing. It, it's so expensive. And mortgage rates are now 
seven and a quarter almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Then we talked about this six months ago, and I said, I think you know, mortgages are going to go over 7%. So the Fed's going to keep going here. Uh, housing affordability has never been worse for the new home buyer, right? The first time home buyer. Existing home sales are falling. People are locked into low mortgages from two and three years ago and five years ago. They don't want to sell. So the, the housing market is really changing. Uh, existing homes is usually something like 85% of the housing market. And new home sales were like 10, you know, and 12. New home sales are 30% of the housing market right now, right? Because the builders are giving incentives to people and zero financing to move product, and they're cutting costs. But there's a shortage of housing, and this is why rents, especially for Kids just starting out, out of college, second job, third job, five, five years out of college, 30-year-olds, the rents that they have to pay in the cities that they work in, and it's everyone, even San Francisco, right? San Francisco, L.A., New York, Chicago, rents are up 20% um, in New York, you know, 10%, 20% in Miami. The housing market's not going down in Florida at all. And the other thing is, this is important, so these kids are – spending more and more of their income on, on, on shelter. Shelter is 40% of CPI, right, after food and energy. So CPI is rising. Um, wages are going up and rent payments are going up. So the fact is that uh, disposable incomes are going down and people are spending more money and they'll quit doing it when all of a sudden they feel less wealthy than they are. Well, they, and the good thing is wages. To feel less wealthy than they feel now, the equity markets are going to have to start mirroring the economy in terms of um, in terms of that. Yeah, right. As you were describing, stagflationary environment, slow growth. So, yeah. is, so how does that contradiction resolve itself in which direction do you think it just the market just continues to relentlessly rebound regardless of of the slowing economy? I think that. Um the average consumer has been emboldened by the equity market. They feel like, you know, punting around on options on Tesla makes up for things. Uh, the cost of money really is not that prohibitive, not prohibitive enough to slow demand. Uh, the economy has not slowed enough to increase unemployment. I mean, the unemployment rate today went back down to 3.6%, right. right? So people are starting to go back to work and they're quitting their jobs less. But I think what really changes is it's going to be the Fed. I mean, the Fed has said for a long time that uh, rates are going to go higher and interest rates aren't prohibitive enough to slow the economy. So I think you're going to see maybe it's in every other month or every month. We'll know more, you know, in July when the Fed moves again. It's on the 26th. But I think what's going to happen is I think the stock market, Dan, probably continues to rise um, marginally, you know, different sectors, little rotations. And the Fed will keep hiking until the stock market tells it not to. And then, yeah. and then, and then, the politicians in D.C. will try to get together to figure out how they can achieve some compromise to spend more to to prop that sure. up in in the face of rate sure. hikes, right? Yeah, this is right to their playbook. I mean, they want a financial crisis so that the government can step in again and say, "Don't worry, we'll protect you and give you another stimulus package." This is this is the agenda of big government: keep growing. Because you can, you know. James Perry, founder, CIO, Perry International Capital Partners, LLC. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Dan, thank you. Have a good weekend.
Thanks, you too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago.